7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Thank you and good evening and welcome. Thank you for joining us on the show. I am Tabiso Musia. Loyolom Kalipi is producing and Sylvester Komane is in technical with us this evening with Debuho Khadebe on social media. Tonight on the show, we are continuing our build-up to Saturday's Soweto Derby. As promised, yesterday we spoke about logistics, fake tickets, security issues with stadium management. And tonight we want to discuss the traffic situation that the authorities just can't seem to be getting right every time this match comes around. And it's discouraged so many people from attending the derby because they believe that it's not worth the trouble and the traffic congestion leads to so much frustration as we had also from stadium management yesterday. So tonight we have invited JMPD and uh, to tell us about what their plans are for Saturday, what information that they would like to get out there to those attending the match. And if you do have any questions for the JMPD Chief Superintendent, Mr. Wayne Minar is going to be our guest. You can call us on 891 Our SMS line is 40938. WhatsApp is 061-4104-107. And we'll also talk to Mr. Minara about maybe the, the driving patterns. What does it pick up from fans attending the Soweto Derby? Are they part of the problem? How do we all work together to try and, and alleviate this traffic problem that happens during the Soweto Derby? Then after that, we have a guest in studio. He's already here, boxer Heki Badla, who claimed that historic win earlier this year in Tokyo is he outpointed Ryochi Taguchi to become the IBF and WBA Super Junior Flyweight Champion. In the process, he became the first South African in 68 years to win the prestigious Ring Magazine belt. He's also been nominated twice Heki Badla for the SA Sport Awards. He's a two-weight world champion and uh, he's up for Sports Star of the Year and Sportsman of the Year. So uh, we want to talk about all of that and just to get a bit of background about his career and what is next for Heki Badla because I think this guy goes under the radar here in South African sport and I'm so glad that he's finally been nominated for the SA Sport Awards because if you ask the boxing people, they'll tell you some will say he's probably one of our greatest champions. Some will say he's our greatest champions. But he certainly uh, won more world title belts than any other South African boxer and is the only local boxer to hold a super title. Uh, but it doesn't say much. So maybe that's why we don't know about his achievements. Like, but like, because he's really, really shy for a boxer from what we're used to from boxers. I mean, we heard from Malcolm Klassen this week. He didn't mince his words. But Heki Butler is just a different kettle of fish. But he'll be with us in studio. So we'll hear from him. But first up, Mr. Wayne Minar. Uh, Chief Superintendent for from the JMPD to talk about the traffic situation ahead of the derby and what messages they want to get out there to the people and how we can all work together to try and avoid this traffic congestion that everybody complains about when the derby comes around. For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. And Chief Superintendent from the JMPD joins us on the line now. Mr. Wayne Minar, good evening, sir, and thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. Uh, good evening. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Firstly, there, there, there has been a lot of criticism previously about how uh, the JMPD just can't get the traffic control right when it comes to the derby. Do you think it's justified, this criticism? No, I don't think so. Uh, you see, if, if we compare with what we did with, in 2010 with uh, the Derby. It's just not the same. Because when we had 2010, we had specific zones around FNB Stadium and around Alice Park, which was no-go zone. There was no traffic allowed. There was certain zones. There was only residents allowed in certain zones there was only police and emergency allowed in certain zones. So that that's the very big difference that we've had between 2010 and the W's. With the W's, we don't have uh, such a plan because of not wanting to invest in transport, to transport fans to the stadium. This time around, we're going to try uh, with the Ria Via buses and with uh, Top 6. We know Top 6 is really coming big, mm. the Top 6 taxis. Big. They're bringing in 150 taxis in total to transport fans. Uh, from Ria Via bus, that's the PRT buses. They're bringing in 40 uh, buses to be able to escort uh, or to, to transport the fans uh, from the various locations to the stadium. Mm. But Really, uh, I don't. I, I, we're hoping that 
it will be better this time around. If more fans can use the top six from Soweto and from, uh, they'll also be uh, operating from CBD. Yes. Those are the bus uh, bus terminals that uh, Bree Street um, and the surrounding area there in the CBD. They can take taxis from there right to the stadium and then uh, return. So uh, it could be a minimal charge of 15 grand a return. I I think it will help us tremendously. And if if all the other fans can start using the BRT buses, the BRT will operate from 12 p.m. from the inner city, uh, Ellis Park, and then also from Tokoza, Tokoza Park's uh, Suet, from 12 p.m. And even after the game? From 11 a.m. Yes, no, it's a, it's a return trip. It's a return Top trip. Top six, it's 15 rand, uh, to and fro. You go in, after the game, you get on the taxi, mm. it will take you wherever you want to go, into Soweto or the CPT. Mm. Now, Mr. Minaro, why are we not implementing what we learned in 2010? Then is it a budget issue or is it is there just a lack of will? Yes, I think I think it's um, it's, it's it's budget. Because when it comes to the planning of the games... It's it's just not near to what we did for 2010. Nowhere near it. Uh, but let's try. Let's try if we can get all our fans to get onto buses and to get onto top six taxis. I think we will be able to make some influence. We'll be able to have some impact. The buses will be from 12 p.m. Taxis as from 11 a.m. to the stadium and after the stadium back home. Well, obviously, the others will prefer to go there in their cars. What have you picked up as far as driving patterns are concerned of people going to the stadium? Because sometimes we see people not sticking to the lanes, driving on the yellow lanes, driving on the sides, and they will say, no, they're trying to get there quicker because there's traffic. Do fans also contribute to this problem, that to this situation? Yes, you see, if, if you look at a, a full-capacity crowd uh, at FNP Stadium, I mean, there's no way that you're not going to have traffic congestion if all those fans go with their own cars to a stadium such as FNP, there's going to be traffic congestion. There's no doubt. And then what happens is that people uh, start becoming impatient because it's nearly time for kickoff and they are not even inside the stadium yet. They are on their way and they must still find parking. Then they must start their car. Then they must still, if they are on Sherwood, they must cross that bridge over to the stadium. If they're at Nazareth, likewise, they're going to have to walk around to cross over the bridge to get still to the gates to get uh, past the turnstiles into the stadium. So the more we can encourage fans to make use of the BRT uh, Ria Via buses for the big game on Saturday, uh, the better, and also the top six from uh, Soweto and from Bristol uh, Texarek. You've also been accused of closing off lanes and roads, and many say that they are unnecessary. For example, in one of the recent matches, I remember there was a complaint that the lane that tends to go towards the stadium, I think it's the N1 South when you go towards Soweto, it was closed and it caused such a traffic jam. Just take us through the planning of, of, of road closures. What uh, what leads to this? Yeah, you see, the, it's absolutely necessary to close off Soweto Highway. And the reason for that is because of the huge numbers of people who cross over Soweto Highway before the game and also after the game. So that's the only road that's going to be closed uh, this time around. We are not going to close Nasdaq Road. We are not going to close Rancho Road. What we will do, we'll have three lanes on Nasdaq Road from N17 side. There will be three lanes going in towards the stadium. And also from the other side on Nasdaq Road from Mike 1, uh, from uh, Southgate side, we'll have three lanes going in towards the stadium with the hope of being able to uh, assist. But if fans really want to help us to reduce traffic congestion, they must use BRT, the Ria Via buses. It's a 40 rand return trip. And then the top six uh, taxis uh, to and from uh, the stadium return will be 15 rand. And your officers on duty on the day have also been accused of not helping alleviate this traffic. Instead, they just stand there, they're on their phones, and they watch the mess unfold, for a lack of a better word. Are you aware of these concerns? Uh, no, 
I'll tell you what we're doing different this time. We're going to be putting uh, extra traffic wardens. We've got uh, new traffic wardens whom we have uh, employed recently. Uh, they have just come out of uh, academy. Uh, they have done their basic training. Traffic wardens, 174 of them. So those are going to be an extra add-on yeah. to the normal uh, complement of tra- uh, military police officers whom we normally have on a uh, normal match day at FNB Stadium for the uh, Soweto Derby. We spoke to state and management last night about those parking attendants that always want 50 bucks or whatever, and we've learned that they're not supposed to be there. As JMPD, do they make your job that more difficult? Yes, uh, it is uh, a problem when uh, it comes to the uh, people paying to get into the parking areas because then it's uh, an issue of blocking the traffic uh, because the people have to pay these uh, guards. So it hampers the free flow of the traffic into the parking areas. What we have done this time, we've, we've agreed that the, free, the parking will be free into the parking areas. But really, if fans want to assist, it would be better to get onto uh, BRT, Ria Via bus, or to top six uh, tel- taxis, and then uh, really have no stress about going there looking for a parking spot. Get onto the top six taxi or to the BRT area via bus and you got less stress. You just go early. Uh, That's a very important point. Mm. The more fans can come early, midday, between one, between midday and at least uh, latest half past one, the better, so that people can take it easy uh, going into the stadium without rushing uh, on a public transport taking your own time, enjoying the day, and then after the match, make their way home with the rear wire bus and the top six taxis. And after the match, did you say that you're also responsible to make sure that everything goes smoothly? Are your officers still on duty? Yes. No, uh, the game will end uh, at round about five or just after five. Then uh, the officers will have to stay on duty till at least uh, 7 p.m. Uh, when all the traffic is away from FNB Stadium. And finally, Mr. Wayne Minard, are you also responsible for the rugby games? Because I'm just trying. We're just trying to understand why it's so smooth in rugby and football is a problem. Yeah, do you see the, the organizers? Yeah, the, the organizers are, are, are different, and they do things differently for rugby. Uh, they arrange bus uh, transport for for the rugby fans, and the rugby fans uh, go and get on buses. All of them, the majority of them, they get onto buses. And the buses park in the area near to the Ellis Park Stadium. There's an area there, Four Road Street and, and Dawn Street. All those streets have been reserved for the buses, uh, parking of the buses coming from all over. So that's, that's the big difference between the rugby uh, games and the soccer games. The rugby games, everybody goes and gets onto a bus and they go to the stadium. Which is what we are trying to encourage now for the football matches to use the Ria Via and the top sixes. Yes, that's why we want to encourage everyone to use uh, rear via buses and the top six taxis. And I'm sure if our fans can just support us in this way, use those uh, top six. If they're from Soweto, yeah. get onto the top six uh, because they're going to be going all, all from Netherlands, uh, Tefani, Dube, uh, Crossroads, Town, uh, Post Office, uh, Dobsonville Stadium. All of those will be fully functional with the top six taxis. There will be 150 taxis set aside just for the transporting of the fans. And then for the rear via buses, it will be from Ellis Park and from uh, Tokosa Park. It's a way. Okay. Thank you for that information, Mr. Wayne Minar. We've also got that information and we'll give it out to the fans and we'll give them the times and where they can get uh, the buses and the taxis also. But thank you for that clarity and uh, we wish you all the best for Saturday. Hopefully everything goes well. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, the Chief Superintendent of the JMPD, Mr. Wayne Minar, encouraging the supporters to use the Ria Via buses, to use the top six taxes that will be available. It was also the same uh, message that was shared by State and Management uh, last night when we spoke to them. So if you're able to use those modes of transport, guys, let's rather use them to avoid the traffic congestions because we know how frustrating it can be to be stuck in traffic at, at the at Derby. And we'll give you that information throughout the week. I'll try and give it to you again before the end of the show and also throughout the week. We'll make 
make sure that we remind you where you can catch those taxis and you can catch those buses. Up next, we are going to speak to Heki Badla, but before that, we're going to play a little preview from the derby done by SABC Sport reporter Valile Mbuli. We've broken it down into two segments. So we'll play one segment today and we'll play another segment tomorrow. Hashtag SAFM Sport On. So SABC Sports senior reporter Velile Mbuli has been covering the derby this week. He's been attending all the press conferences. On Monday, he was at the press conference addressed by Orlando Pirates assistant coach Rulani Mukwena, the one that said tongues wagging after his comments. I know that today he was at Kaiser Chiefs, but he did file a piece for us after he went to the Orlando Pirates press conference at the Rent Stadium. And we'll play part of it today and then we'll continue with it throughout the week. Make no mistake. Rolani Mourinho Mugwena was born into a household that has always been central when it comes to this premium South African football fixture, the Soweto Derby. The importance of this game runs deep in his blood veins. As a Sowetan and as a, as, a, as a young boy growing up in, in Orlando, was, I think my earliest childhood memory would have been of, of, of myself sitting. And if you remember, Orlando Stadium was always a stadium that had an athletics track made out of, uh, of uh, gravel and sand. And uh, they knew that as the, the VIP area, you know. And as a young kid with a little bit of uh, fortune, you know, and uh, special privileges, I was always uh, privileged to be one of those sitting right next to the touchline and, and uh, being part of this, the spectacle. And it was always... Uh, a standstill event, the whole township would uh, come to a standstill. Everybody would be would be up in arms and, and, and Orlando itself would be, I remember as a young boy, uh, the talk would always be free beers for everybody. I didn't know what that was for and, and, and the significance of that at the, age, at the young age. But, you know, everybody would then head off to the Shabins and you, you would really have... Uh, um, uh, fun if, if Pirates won, but you would also have a lot of problems uh, trying to get home uh, had Pirates not won. So so those would be my childhood first and um, the earliest childhood memories and those would be um, possibly uh, from a privileged side, you know, having having been so close to, to, to the match itself, sitting right next to the touchline. This past weekend, Chiefs head coach Giovanni Solinas opted to rest Kamabiliat after the Zimbabwean International came back from international duty, having played 180 minutes of African Nations Cup qualifiers against Democratic Republic of Congo. Biliat, until last weekend, was the only Chiefs player who hadn't been rested in their regular starting lineup. Mugwana worked for three years with Biliat at Sundowns. He was there in the formative years when head coach Pizzo Mosimane turned the 28-year-old into one of the finest attackers on the continent and knows very well that he can buy it. I think Karma matured on his own. Um, I think Karma is um, he's unbelievable because he's he's self-driven. Uh, I remember, I'll make an example. I remember when Karma changed his jersey and wore jersey number 33, if I am not mistaken, at Sundown. And I wasn't even aware. And the first match I saw Karma wearing that jersey, I said, Karma, why are you wearing jersey number 33? He said, Coach, because I want to score 33 goals. I said, come on, that hasn't been done in South African football for the last, I don't know how many years. He says, he says that doesn't mean I can't do it. So already that profiles the character, the person that you are dealing with. It is a person that is self-driven and uh, uh, works hard towards improving his game and setting, uh, you could even say, unrealistic targets for himself because sometimes when you set targets that you know that you can reach it profiles your character in a sense that you are one person that finds comfortability in the reachable but karma finds comfortability in the in the discomfort because it's it's uncomfortable to set such high targets and a lot of people are afraid to do that in life you know so in answering your question is is obviously there was coaching involved and, and, and a lot of praise and credit obviously needs to go to the head coach of Sundowns for that, you know, for driving him even more. But but when players are self-driven, it, it, it takes less coaching to be able to make them improve and get better. And that's what you find from Karma. It's not a secret that Paris had emerged as front runners for Billiard's services earlier this year 
due to his history with Mukwe Night Sundowns, and it looked like he was headed for the famous black and white side of Orlando. But that was until Amakosi came prepared to match any offer tabled for billiard, local or overseas, and not even Petrus Mutsepe's money bags were to counter that. After years of not even featuring in the top 10 list of the highest earners in the PSL, something had to give during this recent transfer window for the 2015-2016 PSL football of the season. But Mukwena reveals why they opted not to sign Billiard. I still have a very good relationship with Karma. I speak. I know that you guys know that we tried to sign Karma. We decided in the last minute not to, dis to sign Karma. We, 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 we had lots of talks with Karma, myself and Karma. We were very close to bringing Karma to the black and white. We were very close. But we decided on protecting the change room more than anything else because the ratio between the expense, and when I say expense, I'm not only talking about the salary because I've heard a lot of talk about that, but the expense with regards to injuries, with regards to even certain other factors, and the profit that we would get, we thought that it did not make sense. So it's not that Pirates lost, lost out on the race to sign Karma. Pirates didn't lose out on the race to sign Karma. Pirates decided not to sign Karma. So there you have it then from assistant coach at Orlando Pirates, Rulani Mukwena. We'll play uh, the rest of this uh, of, of this preview to the derby, the rest of this package done by Velile Mnyandu uh, tomorrow as we continue our build-up to the Soweto derby. But up next, we talk all things boxing with Heki Butler. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. So he is here with us in studio, a man who has won eight belts in an 11-year career. He was awarded with the prestigious Ring Magazine belt, the second South African ever to get that honor, the first in 68 years, and he's now a two-time nominee at the SA Sport Awards, nominated for Sports Star of the Year as well as Sportsman of the Year. Heki, good evening and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Uh, hello to you, hello to everybody. It's great to be here. For a boxer, and I said this at the top of the show, and a champion too, you don't really say much. Do you try to avoid the spotlight or is it just the kind of person that you are? Um, I don't actually know. Um, I, th I think it's the way I was brought up. I still think my dad's going to stand behind me and give me a flat here on the ear if I say something that I shouldn't. Um, yeah, I just like to be who I am and down to earth and just relaxed. Um, you've been nominated twice now for the SA Sport Awards. Did you even expect something like that? Yes, no, no, not actually. Because um, boxing normally boxing normally gets overlooked. Yeah. Um, but Zolani was was nominated last year, so it's it's a great honour to be nominated, and it's good that we're bringing boxing back. And how much do these nominations mean to you? Uh, how do you look at them? Um, I've said this a few times before. When I won the Ring Magazine belt in May, it was the best honour of my career, and I think this this nominations might just top that. It's it's a great honour to be nominated, especially by your peers and by people in sport and with all the sport that South Africa is good at that they see me and they nominated me. And with all the challenges in South African boxing I'm sure it must be good to put the sport on the map also? Yeah definitely that, that's what we're trying to do um, South Africa, if you look at the South African history in, in boxing is, is, is massive we've, yeah. got, we've got people that struggle for money and most of the time they make the best fighters and, and it's true and, and I believe with the right kind of publicity and motivation with South Africa can have a lot more world champions. You mentioned Tokyo earlier on. 2018 has been a good year uh, for you winning the IBF, the WBA junior flyweight titles in Japan. But I want to know how much pressure was there on you ahead of that fight? Because considering what, what, how your camp fought for the opportunity for a rematch with Melinda and then obviously he chose to fight the Japanese guy which you fought. Was there a lot of pressure for you going into that fight? Yeah, big time. Um, uh, the fight wasn't even shown on South African TV. Yeah. Because everybody thought I was going to lose, I think I was a twelve to one or with the bookies seventeen to one Ooh. underdog. So no one thought I was going to win. Um, but yeah, I, I pulled it off, and <laughs> it, I think when I'm under that much pressure, it just works out for me. And how much did you know about uh, uh, about him? Because you didn't get to fight Melinda, as I mentioned. How much did you know about Taguchi before that fight? Uh, well, we watched a few of his fights on YouTube. Actually, Colin does all the research, my trainer, on, yeah. on what we fight. And he told me what to watch, and we we studied him. Um, we knew he was a very strong guy, very hard puncher. And he was much bigger than me. But, yeah, we worked out a game plan that worked out for him. 
Did you have to make sure of this one considering what happened in the Philippines? Yeah, definitely. Um, but then again, when when I got knocked down in the last round and the referee called it a slip and yeah. then they changed the decision, I thought, oh, no, Philippines all over again. But um, the uh, the judges in Japan, is always, they've got a very good reputation and they've always given fair results. So we knew that going in. And you were due to defend against uh, Felix Alvarado. I understand you've relinquished that title. Just tell us more. Is it is it pest-related? Yeah, the, the, the money they offered would not make sense. I would rather fight for the South African title. I'd get more money out of it. Mm. Um, and they were the buggering us around. They, they said this date and then that date, and then it, it was just not worth it. And and we got a better opportunity to defend against the, the, the guy from Japan again. But I think he can't make weight anymore. So mm. we're fighting in Japan the 31st of... December, rather, because it's a better deal. They were talking about twenty-five thousand US dollars, a split seventy-five twenty-five. Is that what was on offer? Uh, uh, Colin knows the story. I yeah. think it was because um, I've got a manager for a reason. He sorts that out for me. Um, I think that was the case. And yeah. <laughs> and are these tough decisions to make as a boxer, or do you take them as part of the sport? No, it's part of the sport. It's hard work, especially in South Africa at the moment, with with, with the rand be, being. So weak at the moment compared to the dollar and and the euro and that that it's hard to get fighters of top caliber from overseas as well to come and fight you. So we need to step into their backyards to go and fight. I mentioned earlier on that you've got about eight belts in an eleven-year career. You held six world titles. You're a two-weight champion. Do those do these, do these things mean a lot to you? Is that what you do it for? Do you even know what you've achieved in the sport? Um. Yes. Um. That's why I do it. I want to keep on achieving, keep on making my family proud, my beautiful wife pr- proud. Then I'm happy. Um, but I still be- believe I can achieve s- a few more things. Um, I don't think I've achieved what s- some of the other fighters in, in the country have achieved, like Brian Mitchell or a Baby Jake. Those guys are legends in my eyes, and hopefully I can be that type of person one day. But they always compare you to those guys. They say you've won more uh, world title belts than those guys, than Brian, than Dingantobela, than even Victor Will. How do you look at that? Uh, it, it's, it's just a great honor, um, especially for guys like, like that to, to say things like that and people that know the sport to say things like that. It's just a great honor to me. Um, I never came into the sport to, to win as many titles as I did. I came in when I, when I turned pro, my dream was to be a world champion. Then I became a world champion. Then my number one goal was to be the ring magazine champion. And I finally achieved it. And now I just want to keep on winning. And I want to unify that division. I want one of each belt at home at least. And where did it all start, Heki? Because I, I read somewhere uh, that your dad was an amateur boxer. Is that where it all started for you? Um, sort of and sort of not. Um, my dad was actually a very good amateur boxer, but... <laughs> his, his social life kept him away from the sport <laughs> um, no but when I was younger I, I couldn't do any other sports I couldn't play rugby or soccer or cricket if I lost I'd blame the players and I'd never want to play with them again because they were useless so someone <laughs> told my parents um, if I should do a sport if I lose I can't blame anybody and my dad boxed like you know so mm-hmm. they said let's take him to boxing and it, it just stuck and I fell in love how was it growing up in Newlands? It was lacquer. Um, got into a few street fights here and there, not a lot <laughs> <Obviously>. at least. <laughs> but um, no, I enjoyed it. Um, like we, me and my wife stay now. I know my neighbours, both sides. They know me. Everybody knows each other. We always talk. Ask if if I'm going to to a boxing event, they'll tell me, "Hey, you know, we will watch your house." If they go somewhere, please, can you watch my house? So we all know each other. We're all friends. We all talk, and it, it's been great. You're very small, and even when you were at the press conference at the SA Sport Awards, one guy said, no, but I can take this one on. At school, how were you How were you treated? Were you bullied or were you the bully? Um, well, I started off as being bullied until I... Because you were so small? Yeah, of course. Until I, I don't know, I, then I became friends with you, I think, rough guys, and we were just cool. I didn't like bully people that bully people in any way. I don't like that. Bullying is wrong. You shouldn't bully anybody. Um... But yeah, because of my size, they tried it, and but they stopped after a while after they realized who I am, <laughs> or what I can do, I should say. Tell us about your amateur days as a boxer. How do you look back at those, and how was your amateur career? No, it was. I, I was lucky to um, have a good amateur career, at least, and um, a lot of fights. My last book, I think I had 150 amateur fights Ooh. with 10 losses. Um, yeah, I, I actually started boxing at Ichenote Boxing, then went to Witburke, and ended off at Boysens. Amateur Boxing Club by Nicky Ness is probably the best, one of the best amateur coaches, if not the best amateur coach in the country. Yeah, I had some hard fighters, amateur fought against some, some good fighters. 
I understand you fought a certain Zolani Tete. Yeah, well, me and Zolani, we're actually good friends today. Um, we fought twice as amateurs. Um, I beat him once and he beat me. So we're 1-1. Um, if you didn't grow so much or if I didn't stop growing, maybe we can afford to again. Yeah. But everybody grows and I don't. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> At that stage, do you could you see that he was also uh, he could go fine there in the sport? Yeah, definitely. Um, I knew Zolani when when you when especially when you watch the guys, like we would sit and watch like the pre-fights before we get fought or we'd fight in the semi-final they need to have a quarter-final fight things like that and I watched him fight and he used to bang the guys out as an amateur he used to knock guys out as an amateur that's how hard Zolani hits um, and I just think he's gotten better and, and gotten stronger and hopefully that God God willing he can win this tournament that he's in the WBSS um, yeah I, I'm supporting him I think there's only one guy that's a real going to be a real challenge in my eyes to Zolani and um, that's Monster it's the only guy I can see even give him any bit of trouble yeah so go out there Zolani bring it back for us please man well he wants Ryan Bennett next day there he has to fight Nonito Doné so we have to wait and see how that one goes and how crucial is there is, is there a matcha part of a professional boxer and how's the state of a matcha boxing right now are you still in touch um I'm not in touch that much, but I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the the amateur boxing is taking a bit of a I don't know a step back. I don't know why. I yeah, don't know what happened. We don't even see boxers at the Olympics now. Yeah, we, I don't think there was one that qualified yeah. for last week. It's it's not actually not good. Um, well, there was they didn't even reach the second round or something. Mm. All lost. But um, but if you look at the talent, there is a lot of talent. So I don't know what what can be done to fix it. I, I don't want to get involved in it. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on, but there is good fighters. And if you want to be a pro and become something special as, an, as a professional fighter you need an amateur background guys like um, Vasily Lomachenko that yeah. guy had f- like almost 400 amateur fights he lost one he is the best fighter in the world right now um, you need a bit of an amateur background that's why Lazali, um, Zolani has done what he's done because of his amateur background and you need that base to, to, to make it as a pro same as in any other sport mm. for you at which stage now did you realize that you could actually make a career out of boxing now Yes, I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> it, I think I just went along as as it's got as it's, as I've went along. It just started and it stuck. Um, I know when I retire, I'm going to have to work one day. Um, <laughs> In boxing but, or out of boxing? Uh, out of boxing, probably. When I no, when I, when I stop, when I retire from boxing, I'm going to have to do something else. I don't make enough money to to last me my, my whole lifetime yeah. afterwards. But I I don't care. I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. Um, I was lucky to actually. <laughs> to to do something that I love not a lot of people do it um, yeah. and I'm very lucky because of that for those who've just joined us we're talking to boxing champion Heki Badla feel free to call us on 0891 our SMS line is 40938 on WhatsApp it's 061 but if you want to call 0891 if you want to SMS 40938 and we'll continue the conversation after the break Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Okay, we've already got a caller on the line. Tammy calling us from Welcome. Good evening. Thank you for calling us. How are you, sir? Fine, thanks and you, Tammy. Fine. This is uh, um, this, this is what one would like to hear. You know, when you say Tammy, you are also saying Archie in the same in the same sentence. Oh, okay. I'm saying Archie. <laughs> The, the one and I, only. What, what I've always wanted to ask is that now, our girls, like literally girls, are not coming into boxing. Our small boys are not coming into boxing. I was just asking, can't they maybe now and then just get, I mean, when they gym or when they train, they should, I mean, just say, okay, today or next week, I'm going to that school where I'm going to just to make light exercises, just to get I mean, the youth in, in our boxing. Because if you quite remember about the decade plus, I mean, when it comes to these girls, there was one lady champion here in Velcom. We paid her. One hundred and eighty thousand rand. So, so, a champ. I know you. I, I, I know you know that lady. Who it was. Imagine during these days when there is no, I mean, where there is no jobs and all the like, and boxing is still the sport which can pay people just fighting four times a year. Okay, thank you very much, there, Tammy Achi, uh, calling us from Welcome. Hey, Heki, do you think we need more younger fighters? Are they not coming through? No, definitely we need more. Um, mm. 
the thing is, like he said, we must try and get to schools and things. It's it's actually quite hard to do that, um, because when you, when you want to go and help at a school, the school has to literally ask the parents. Uh, the parents have to give permission. It's like how life works at the moment. But yeah, um, I, I try a lot. I go and help out at a few amateur gyms. There's a gym close to my house that I go and help out at and get the guys, try and get more guys into it. And that's all we can do. We can only help. We can't, you can't, you can take someone, like I said, you can take horse to water, you can't make yeah. him drink. What about those who feel that boxing is a dangerous sport and they don't want their kids involved? Um, more, more kids get hurt with soccer and rugby than they do I've with boxing. Because um, they break their legs, break their necks. It happens and not with boxing. And I see a lot of people are now taking up boxing just to stay healthy, just to stay to stay fit. What is it about boxing? I get you fit. Um, a lot of rugby players actually do boxing boxing training. Sonny Bill Williams, who's a yes. New Zealander, who actually boxed, cause he trained boxing to get fit for the rugby. Um, it's probably one of the best fitness training you can do. And a lot of people go to boxing gyms yeah. just to do that for training. And it's a lot of them say they love it. They fall in love with the game because of it. Now let's go back to your boxing career here. It took about 16 fights before you lost for the first time to Gideon Butelezi. How do you look back at that defeat? Was it a shock for you? Was it hard to take? I think you lost your IBO uh, title then. Yeah, I lost my IBO Junior Flower title against yeah. Gideon, a fighter that I actually beat as an amateur twice. <laughs> um, so it was very hard for me, but I always knew Gideon was a great fighter. Um, we were great friends, the two of us. But yo, it's hard. It's you have to take a step back, um, reassess, re- start over, and I did, and it actually worked out for me that loss. It made me better and stronger than I was than I was back then. And before that, did it all seem too easy? I know your first two fights were first round knockouts. I think the third was a second round knockout. Did it all just seem too easy? Yeah, especially, professional boxing. Especially my first three fights. My fourth fight, I actually fought in Canada against a Mexican. First round, I hit this guy with a left hook. It's probably the hardest I've ever hit someone in my life. He was gone down. The referee says seven, eight. The guy jumps up. I'm like, oh. what's going on? Oh. We went four rounds. I couldn't believe it. And that's when you start realizing you can't knock everybody out and you have to sometimes use your boxing brain, your boxing skills to, to win. I've been to a couple of your fights, especially at Emperor's Palace, but is there anyone that stands out for you locally first? I know that uh, the Congo one was very tough. It was very close. Uh, but is there anyone for you that stands out in your career? Well, my, my f- locally, definitely Conquer. The, the two of us, we, we actually... That was a tra- proper fight, eh? He boxes, we spar each other almost every day at yeah. the gym now. We're close, very good friends. Um, and Joy, the Joy fight was yeah, a yeah, hard fight. Joy. Everyone thought I was going to lose that one as well. Joy and them actually said in the, in the <laughs> before the fight, they 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 looking to work only three rounds and I'm going to be out of there. My uh, pere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, internationally, my hardest fight was my, I think it was my, sure, was my 15th fight or something when I fought for the RBA world title the first time against Jonito Rubilo that yeah you fil- fought him twice huh? Jeez, yeah. yeah I had 15 fights this guy had like 70 or 80 fights it was insane but it, that's what makes you better that you learn from those experiences and you, you adapt and Emperor's Palace it's like home for you why is it so special to fight there you seem to enjoy you've got a great fan base there no no I, I, I don't know when I, hopefully I'm going to fight this soon again <laughs> um, it is it's my home base it's the place I've had most of my I think more than three quarters of my fights um, and the people come and watch me and I enjoy that just going back to that Congo fight what was so tough with Congo he's just a good fighter it's plain and simple Congo is just a very good fighter um Simperio is one of those guys you can hit him with everything you got you can hurt him but he still keeps on fighting back because I knew in that fight I hurt him with a few punches and he just kept on coming at me coming mm. back and coming back and throwing and throwing he's one of those guys who's got a never never say die attitude He, he I, I've seen him train in the gym this guy trains extremely hard he's always fit and that's the, the biggest part of it if you're super fit no matter who you fight you look good I was also there when you fought Brian Rogers didn't go all well uh, what happened there? Well, um, be- before that fight, well, after that fight, my doctor actually phoned me the day after the fight and told me I need to come in. Something's wrong. I found out that I, I'm allergic to just grass and sand oh. and dust. Every time I went running, I got sick. And I've got asthma. Fitness, actually fitness-induced asthma. So every time I train to get fit for a fight, I get sick. Um, I've got it a bit more out of control now. We've, we've got medication for it. But yeah, it's, that's, like I said, that's how you learn, you adapt, and you become better. Let's go to the lines. Ace has called us from Joburg. Ace, good evening and thank you for calling us. Evening, Tavis. How are you? Fine, thanks. Ace, what's your comment? 
Well, Tabiso, I would like to first greet uh, the champion in studio, Heggy Butler. Uh, I would also like to acknowledge uh, his role uh, that he has played in the South African boxing uh, scene and also taking South African flag uh, across uh, the world. As you have said, that uh, he's one of the first boxers to win that ring magazine belt. But uh, my question to Heggy Butler now is that uh, maybe... What is left for him now in boxing? Does he have any ambitions that he wants to achieve? You know, uh, I know that he has fought the best, but does he still have that thing that says that I still want to fight? This is who I'm looking to fight, or this belt I want it in my cabinet. What, what, what is it? What are his ambitions now in boxing? Uh, given that he has played an important role uh, in, in, in in SA boxing history, especially the modern history, and also maybe you spoke about the amateur record. You know, maybe for an exhibition fight, would we maybe see something like uh, maybe when he's like quitting the sport, maybe maybe going against that again? Okay, Ace, nice one. Thanks for that call. And that question is actually coming up a lot here because a lot of people, are they say they didn't know that you actually fought against Zolani Tete. But let's start with the first one. What What's next for you? Well, um, I'm a, I've won the IBA world title, the WBA world title, and the IBF world title. There's still a WBO and a, and a WBC title out there mm-hmm. um, that I can still win. Um, and I just want to keep on winning and achieving. I love what I do. I still feel fresh. And that's why I keep on going and keep on doing what I'm doing. The only way, how would you fight Zolante in an exhibition fight? Um, I think if I if I if I wear all my clothes that I run with and some weights in my pockets, I'll make him the weight to fight him. Um, me and Zolani are good friends. Um, we've actually never even spoken about that. We've even fought. We just we just leave it. It's in the past. Um, our rate Zolani is one of the best fighters South Africa has ever had. So, okay, and. Um, how is it working with a guy like Colin Nathan? He was here in studio last week with Azinga. He really doesn't mince his words. Is he tough on his boxes? Yeah, he is. Um, if you don't work, Colin will chase you away out of the gym. Um, I've known three or four fighters that I've seen him chase away out of the gym. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> um, but he, he knows what he's doing. And he knows when he has to push the fighter, what buttons to press. He learns... He, he learns the nature of each fighter. Um, like he, he knows that he's some guys you have to you have to kick their bum to get them to work hard, that, or what they should do. And then there's other guys that you have to actually tell slow down a bit. You're going too hard. And Colin knows how to do that. And Colin's best part of what he does is he works out your opponents brilliantly. He's a a great reader of a fight and a great um, how do you say tactician in getting yeah. the best game plan for the fight. And and when he challenged that decision in the Philippines against Molinda, was it with your support? Did you even know that he was doing that? Um, he, he asked. He told me after the fight, "Hey, I'm going to do something." Um, the 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 day or when we when we flew home, he said, "This is what he showed me what he was writing them, and he said he wants to do it." He actually showed me the videos of why he sent them the 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 rematch thing because mm-hmm. of what they did in the corner, which was wrong. Um, yeah, but Colin always tries to get the best for his fighters. Okay, if you've just joined us, we are talking to Heki Badla. We are going to wrap up after this quick break. If you still want to say a word or two to him, you can call us. We've got about 10 minutes left. 0891-104-207. Our SMS line is 40938. And on WhatsApp, 0614104107. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Okay, and we've got SMSs coming through here. Uh, Mushota in Bloom says, uh, Heki's future is bright. I love the way he respects his opponents and accepts defeat without excuses and big up to him. And he wishes you all the best, Hockey, uh, Heki, rather, sorry. And we've got a call from Finland. Uh, good evening, sir. Thank you for calling us. Good evening, member. How are you? Fine, fine, thanks. And you? How's Finland today? Yeah. No, Finland is quite cold, my man. No, no issues at all. Okay, great. What would you like to say to Heki? Oh no, um, to the man there in the studio. You now, um, I really didn't know who the man is, but but judging by the amount of calls that are coming in, I can see you know the man is a very great young lad who's doing good in his trade. I just want to wish him good and all the best. But uh, him being in the same ring with Tete, uh, uh, I also wish him the best for that. <laughs> Okay, thanks. And you can start following the boxing now that you know about Heki Butler. But thank you very much for, for calling us. Heki, looking at the talent that's out there at the moment here at home, is there anybody that stands out for you that impresses you the most? Because it's also coming through on social media, that question. 
um, there's a few fighters, actually a few in our gym. Um, there's a, a young kid who's had, I think, two fights. Anthony, brilliant fighter. You saw what Azinga did the weekend. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite fighters. Um, Glamini Lorato. Yeah. Glamini is another great fighter, up and coming guys. Although they've got they've got titles, these two they still they can make it. Um, but we've got a few young guys in our gym and and all over South Africa at the moment. If you look at the that uh, I think it was the weekend with yeah at the weekend they had that up and coming tournament there mm-hmm. at Empress Palace yes. was packed. Um, good fights, some some great knockouts. All the fights actually ended in in stoppages, which was brilliant. Then there was another tournament in Pretoria. So so there's boxing is 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 getting back on the map. We've got a lot of young guys. Um, and hopefully the guys can carry the flag and be the next guys to win world titles okay and let's see if this guy can take them to the world title colin nathan joins us on the line colin thank you for for joining us we've got hecky here and he spoke so well about you and what you've done for his career and how strict you are of course just um tell us where where did you first come across hecky and and what did you see in him yeah you know firstly uh tavisa boxing is fast becoming your favorite sport um <laughs> and it's a special night for for me listening to your show because Hecky's very special to me. You know, Hecky's my guy. And the misconception is is that, you know, the trainers and the promoters and the managers make the fighter. That's not true. The fighter makes everyone. And Hecky Butler has put me certainly on the map and he started my career, you know, gave me a great start. And I'm very grateful to him for choosing me. My first memory of Hecky was 12 years ago. I was going to as many amateur tournaments as I could possibly go when I started on my career as a trainer. And I'd read about Hecky winning, becoming the first South African and the still a record to this day at the age of 17 to win a senior amateur title within South African boxing, amateur boxing. And I'd read about him and I saw him fight. And it's often said that you should never fall in love with your fighter. Now, Hecky didn't even know me then. I didn't even know Hecky. I just read about him. And that night, I fell in love with a fighter. And we connected, and it's been an amazing journey of 12 years. And he's got everything he deserves and more. And I truly believe, if the judges are listening to me, that Hecky Butler should win this award for sportsman for for sports sportsman of the year. I really do. He's he deserves it. He he's defied the odds countless times. Uh, we we went through a lot of personal problems leading into the Taguchi win. And if any South African deserves this award, it's Hecky the executioner butler. Do you South think Africa's it, only only linear world champion in sixty eight years? Yeah. Do you think he gets the respect that he deserves here in the country? <sighs> yes and no. You know, I think you know it goes back to the whole thing of you know how boxing is marketed in South Africa. Uh, what's interesting though is, is that Hecky can't go anywhere in the east. Philippines, Japan, without someone stopping him and asking him for a picture or an autograph. And that's that's no bull. That's the yeah. truth. Um, I would think he's probably got a bigger fan base in the East than he does back here. Um, or maybe it's on par. But I think now with the upset in Japan, with the odd 17-1 to 1 against Ruichi Taguchi, now people are noticing that, wait a minute, there's, there's a superstar, or there always has been a superstar, he just had to defy the odds even further to win this championship. And what's next for him? What you got planned? We we're looking at December thirty first. I uh, you know I will be talking shortly. Uh, once we at the moment now, I'm just working out terms for the championship for his defence. But we're looking at December thirty first. Don't ask me where, uh, Tabisa. That's <laughs> going to come later. Okay, Colin, thank you for joining us. We just wanted to get a word uh, from the trainer. And what can you tell us about Hoki off the ring? Because I was saying earlier on that he's very quiet. He doesn't say much uh, for a champion and for a boxer. Yeah, he's humble. You know, he hasn't changed a day. He's, that's what makes him so unique and special. He's the kind of guy that if he's wearing a cap, he's going to kill me for saying this. If he's wearing a cap <laughs> and you walked into the gym and you didn't know you were, he'd stand up, take his cap off and say, how are you doing, sir? That's that's Hecky. And that's a quality uh, that he hasn't lost. And the other thing, the other thing what makes him so unique, he's never big-headed or arrogant. You know, when you coach him and you, you, you work on a certain maneuver and you work on a game plan, he really is like a sponge. He really wants to develop and get better as a fighter. 
and he's just a humble, humble human being. And what you see and feel in your studio, that's exactly the human being that he is. Just a well-natured, well-deserving of this, this, this nomination and please God award. He's got the judges are listening to me to get this. So you see, that's him. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Colin Nathan, uh, for joining us. And I've just got a list of Hecker's titles here. You'll tell me if I'm missing one. IBO All-Africa Junior Flyweight, IBO Junior Flyweight, IBO Minimum Weight, WBA Interim Minimum Weight, WBA Minimum Weight, WBA Super Minimum Weight, WBA Pan-African Junior Flyweight Title, IBO Light Flyweight Title, WBA IBF and Ring Magazine Light Flyweight Title. Do I have all of those? Are those? Am I missing uh, one? My, my wife is sitting here next to me yeah. shouting Best Husband of the Year Award. <laughs> <laughs> Best Husband of the Year Award. That must be the most important one, right, Roxy? Definitely. Definitely <laughs> she nods there. Heki, um, with your awards here, do people vote for you? How does it work? Or is it up to the um, judges no, now? No, it's the judges um, that decide it. Um, the voting one is actually for, I think, the People's, people's Choice, choice okay. which people should vote for Zolani Tete in. Um, okay. By the way, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, yeah, so but you are sportsmen, <laughs> sportsmen up against Lou Vomanyonga and Chad, yeah, right, and then sports star up against Casta and Kachisorabada. Yeah, no, it's, and, it, and it's just an honour for me to be to be named among those guys who are great athletes and, and great superstars for our, for, our, for for our country. Well, we wish you all the best, Hickey Butler. Uh, on the 11th of November in Bloemfontein, that's where the SA Sport Awards will take place. It will be a Sunday, and uh, we hopefully you can bring one back, and Zolani can bring the other one back for the boxing community. But thank you very much for coming to studio. It's been a great chat. We just wanted to bring you in, just highlight what you've done, what you've done, and most importantly, Hickey, give you the respect that you deserve. Thanks so much. Take care, and God bless everybody. Thank you. That was Heki Badla, our boxing champion there. I'm sure we'll hear more from him and a lot uh, that's coming up for Heki Badla. But coming up next on SAFM is uh, Mr. Ashraf Gada with The Viewpoint and the big hit already here, already ready for the interview. Geraldine Fraser Mulekieti will be the big hitter with Mr. Ashraf Gada on The Viewpoint. There'll be more sport in the morning with Zai Khan. Zai Khan on sunrise with Stephen Krotis between 6 and 9. Uh, my name is Tabiso Musia. Thank you to Luyolo. Thank you to Sylvester Komane and Tebuko Khadebe on uh, social media. News is up next.